0: A dad and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. So Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me. I will be proven holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. So Moses summoned Mishael and Elcevin, sons of Aaron's uncle, Uzeel, And he said to them, Come here and carry your cousins outside of the camp, away from the front of the sanctuary. So they came and they carried them, still in their tunics, outside the camp. As Moses ordered, Moses then said to Aaron and his sons, Eliezer and Ethamar, Do not let your hair become unkempt, and do not tear your clothes, or the Lord will be angry with the whole community. But your relatives, all the Israelites, may mourn for those the Lord has destroyed with by fire. And do not leave the entrance of the tent of meeting, or you will die because the Lord's anointing oil is upon you. So they did as Moses said. Then the Lord told Aaron, You and your sons are not to drink wine or any other fermented drink before you go into the tent of meeting, or you will die.
1: This will be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come, so that you may distinguish the common from the holy, the unclean from the clean, and so that you may teach the Israelites all the decrees that have been given to them through Moses.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Thanks God.
1: God. As we have been making our way through the book of Leviticus, last week we certainly ended on a high note. The temple or the I'm sorry, the tabernacle had been been built. God had given his instructions for the offerings and how God's people could give those offerings. The priests had been consecrated and they'd been set in place to uh, lead in worship. And then we read at the very end of chapter, uh, chapter 9 that at that point, the glory of the Lord appeared to all people. Everything was working fine. And everyone was able to see the presence of the Lord. And there was God dwelling and living amongst his people. It was such a glorious moment. And then we get this in chapter 10. Aaron's two sons, his oldest two, who were to serve in the, in the tabernacle, they were to come with their censers. The censer would be filled with uh, fire. It often says just filled with fire, but that was the combination of the, the incense and the, uh, the, the different... Um, the, remember in uh, Exodus, God gave them sort of a special concoction for that incense that, that they were pulled together from the olive wood and other branches. They would put that together with the coals to make a fire that would burn to God. And so they were to take that incense... And then they were to bring it from the outer court into the actual uh, place where the presence of of God was into the holy place. It was called the holy place. And in that holy place was the light, the candles that kept burning with the light of God. There was the table of showbread, which represented fellowship with God, eating at the table, being together. And then there was... The prayer place where they would put their, their coals and it would continue to rise as, God, as, pra- as the people, their prayers rising to God. And then beyond that, of course, was the Holy of Holies, the most holy place of all. But Aaron and his sons were every day to bring this incense in there and put it on the incense altar. This was like priesting 101. Right? If you are a mechanic, this is like doing an oil change. If you are a nurse, this would be like uh, taking, uh, you know, taking somebody's pulse or, or blood pressure. This is basic stuff. So how on earth could they mess this up? I mean, I think in my humble state here that even I could get this right, right? Bring it in. But what does it say? How did they mess it up? It says they brought in, if you look in chapter 10, It says they brought in, in verse 1, right off the bat, unauthorized fire. Unauthorized fire. The Hebrew word for this unauthorized means uh, strange or foreign. You would use this if you're talking about somebody in your family. They're a stranger. They're outside of our family. They're not one of us. And so in essence what they did is they brought in some incense That was outside of what God had commanded. And really God said it right there. It said they brought in this unauthorized fire contrary to his command. So what was unauthorized about it? Maybe it was unauthorized coals. Maybe they were up the night before and they were roasting some marshmallows outside of the camp and they decided, well, let's just take some of these coals and put them in there. We'll bring them into God. That will be a good deal. Unauthorized. Maybe they, uh, maybe they uh, came in an unauthorized time because it was a good night the night before. They were having a sweet time with their friends and enjoying that. They slept in a little too late. They missed the appointed time where they were supposed to bring the incense in. So let's do it now. We'll just stroll in. It really won't matter to God. And they maybe they came in an unauthorized time. Maybe they went to an unauthorized place, right? Because just beyond this incense of the altar was... The Holy of Holies. And of course, who wouldn't want to peek in and just to see God himself beyond that curtain there? That's the temptation, right? Maybe it was unauthorized in that way. Some scholars even think, if you look ahead to uh, verse 10, uh, 10, 10-10, or 10-9, when the Lord is talking to Aaron, he says in 10.9, he says, You and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink when you go into the tent of the meeting, or you will die. Is it possible that Aaron's sons were drunk? Is it possible they've just been having too much wine and too much beer? And, of course, things can go incredibly awry when you're drunk. Do I have a witness in the house for that? Here, everybody... <laughs> One courageous person was like, yeah, I I get what's going on there. That's possible too, but whatever the case was, they brought in something that was outside of what God had commanded to them. And in that moment, they were burned. They were crisped up pretty good. They were dead right there in their, their clothing. And we say, why? Because at that moment, when they came in with what was unauthorized, They were bringing sin into a holy place. Remember, God has not been so casual and nonchalant about what needs to take place in his home for a holy God to dwell with a sinful people. And so they ignored some of those rules in which God said holy, and they brought what was unholy into God's presence. And there we had a clash, right, because God is light, and in him there is no darkness And so in that moment, God has to respond to the sin that is in front of him because God hates sin and he needs to deal with it. And in a moment, boom, like that, he dealt with the sin. And Aaron knew that what had happened was right. He stood there silent. And Moses just simply reiterates those words there, which you see in verse 5. He says, God says, I will be proved holy. I I read this account and immediately I got a little anxiety. Became a little nervous when I read this account. Because what I see here in this account is clearly God's holiness matters. Clearly, God is set at maintaining his holiness. And in the things that God expects, and the things that God asks his priests to do, he meant for his priests to do. He said, this is how an unholy people can meet with a holy God, and you as my priests are to carry them out as mediators on my behalf to the people. And I'm serious about it, says God. And we see this happen here. We also see it in the New Testament, don't we? In the New Testament, when God is establishing the church in Acts chapter 5, and he's saying, this is my community, the church. And remember those two people, Ananias and Sapphira, who sold some property, and then they decided to keep some of the money for themselves, and they brought the rest of it saying, oh, we sold all our property, and this is for God. And they're doing a big old lie in God's face, and boom, like that, they drop over dead too. Because God is saying, you're my people, and my church. And you need to be holy as I am holy, and I will be proved holy. So I'm holding that in one hand, and then as I read forward through the New Testament, I see the scripture that we heard read this morning by by Jody, that God very clearly says to us who we are. He says, you are, you, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're a believer, you are a royal priesthood. See where this is heading for us? You're a priest. That's who you are. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are part of that royal priesthood. You are part of the, the, the priesthood of all believers. You can't say, well, no, 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 That's I'm out. I don't want to be in that. I just wanted to give my life and, and make sure I had fire insurance and that I wasn't going to go to hell, but I... <laughs> I don't want any part to do, no that's who you are if you put your faith in Jesus Christ you are that holy nation you are that royal priesthood you are chosen by God you are, you are uh, the word that they use for church in, in the New Testament is ecclesia which means set apart you are set apart and set apart for what? to be holy. You're set apart for the very purposes of God. You are a priest. And so when we know that that's who we are, and then I see how seriously God takes the fulfilling of his priestly functions here, I think it gives us all a little pause for some some caution or at least maybe even a little wake-up call, because it confronts us and asks us, how seriously are we taking our call to live as priests before God? How seriously are you living into being a part of the, the priesthood of all believers? We need to take that seriously, what I see here. I think the first thing that we need to take seriously is our status. Are you taking seriously your status? In chapter 8, we read uh, about the whole seven-day ordination process for the priests. It was seven days they had to worry about their clothes. They had to do some cleansing. They had to be anointed with oil. They had to be prayed over. They had to have liturgy put on them. And at the end of that seven days, then ritually in the sight of God and all those people, they were declared to be, and what's the word? Holy. They were declared to be holy. And as priests, God's priests, our status is holy. Our status is holy. We are told in Hebrews 10.10 that Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us so that we could be made holy. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that we are, that God saved and called us with a holy calling so that we could be made holy. This is our status. We weren't, we weren't this we, weren't, we don't just put our, our faith in Jesus Christ, as I said again, just so that we can uh, now know that, okay, when I die, I'm okay, but for the rest of my life, I can live however I want. That's not what the case is. If you read the scriptures, we were called to be holy people, that Jesus went as an offering on the cross, and God sent Jesus to die on the cross because we couldn't do it for ourselves, that he would die so that as his blood was sprinkled on us, we would be holy in God's sight and that's our status that's who we are and so my question is do you begin to live into that status of being holy I know in high school like when I was part of uh, let's say the, like the National Honor Society right I had to live into that I had to maintain my my GPA average which I did just barely uh, I had to volunteer and give my time. I had to be a leader in the school. There were things that I had to do to live into that status of being part of the National Honor Society. And friends, I think what we need to recognize is that God, through Jesus Christ, and when we receive Jesus in our life, we are sprinkled with His blood, and as the blood was poured out, we were made clean and holy, and we need to live into that holiness. We live into it. That's a good thing. Because a lot of times people say, oh, I don't want to be holy. I don't want to be that person, that's for pious people. No, that's the status that Jesus put upon us. We are holy people, set apart, called out to be holy. We should look different than the rest of the world because we are holy people. And we want to live into that. Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 26, I believe it is. It says, it, it encourages us on that day that when Jesus comes again, that we present ourselves to him as, as a bride waiting for the bridegroom. And it says these words, present yourself as a bride, because Jesus came for his bride, and he made his bride clean. He made his bride holy. And it says, because Jesus did that for you, his bride, when he comes again and he looks for you, he want, he's looking for you to be without stain, without stain, Wrinkle or blemish? How's that for a standard? That that's what I'm living into because I was made holy. I am going to live into that. And everything I do in my life, I'm going to make sure that I'm doing it without stain. That I'm doing it without wrinkle. That I'm doing it without blemish. Because when Jesus comes again, he's expecting me to be holy. Because he sacrificed himself and died on the cross so I could be holy. Holy, and if I say, I'm in you, Jesus Christ, then when he comes again, I ought to look pretty holy. I mean, can you imagine on your wedding day, you're the groom, and I've stood here many times watching the bride come down the aisle. And can you imagine she comes around, the bride comes around the corner, and, and she had just on her way here stopped off at Taco Bell. And tried eating a taco, and it's like this Taco Bell goo down the front of her shirt. Or maybe she decided just before she came here she had to get some, some lawn work done and so the bottom of her dress is all green and it's all ratty and it's all, all dirty because she did some of that, you know, some of that work. Uh, can you imagine that if uh, she just went out, you know, and just soiled this thing up and, and, and this thing was an incredible mess and she came around the corner and as a groom you would be like, oh, what happened? And yet, many of us are going to face Jesus on that day in that way. Because we've lived for the things of the world. We've lived for the way of the world and according to the way of the world. And rather than living into our status of holiness, instead we've embraced the things of the world. And so when we show up before Jesus on that day, oh, we're going to be full of stains. We're going to be full of wrinkles. We're going to be full of blemishes. Paul tells us in his word, that he says, don't, make sure in your life that there's not even a, a hint of immorality in your life. How big is a hint? I don't know. <laughs> wee, wee, wee size, right? And you go, well, that doesn't even matter. But well, what did we learn in Leviticus about all the offerings that had to be brought to God? What were they supposed to be? Without blemish. If they had a hint of imperfection, would they be acceptable to God? No. And so on that day when Jesus comes again, we need to to be holy. And friends, we need to live in that status while we're here on earth. How do people know that we belong to Jesus Christ? Because we are a holy nation. That's who we are. Are you living into your status today? As a priest, we not only uh, live into uh, our status we, we also have to take seriously our privilege. You may recall that I said that in the layout of the tabernacle, which you can see uh, there in the lobby, that there is uh, the outer court, and then you can move on into the holy, of, uh, the holy place, and then there is the most holy place, the holy of holies. And each one of these gets closer and closer to the very presence of God. God. The Levites and priests could work in the outer courts. The priests alone could work here in the holy place. And on one day, which we're going to be getting up to, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies in the very presence of God. But the priests had a privilege. Unlike the rest of God's people who lived in the camp all the way around the tabernacle, the priests had the privilege of going here in the light of God, the fellowship of God, the prayers of God rising. They had the privilege of being able to draw near to God. And so I ask you as a priest, as part of the priesthood of all believers, do you take seriously your privilege of being able to draw near to God? Because of what Jesus has done in our life making us holy, we can draw near to God. This was a daily routine for the priests. We see how seriously God takes it. And do you have a daily routine as a priest to draw near to God? Are you in the Word of God? Are you seeking His words every day for your life, for your guidance, so you can operate according to His will and ways, so that you know the very heart of God? Are you every day coming in and letting your prayers rise to the very heights of heaven, declaring the worth of who God is and and spending time uh, uh, in worship and praise with him there in prayer? Do you you spend the routine in your life where weekly you will make it a priority to be in worship with God's people, to declare to God you're worth it, you're above all, God? That's what worship means, worth it. Are you showing God that he is worth it by coming every week into his presence? Because I believe God takes that very seriously. He said, my people should come together and worship me. And when we don't, when we prioritize other things, God declared in his word, he said, I'm a jealous God. He said, you should have no other gods before me. And yet how often do we decide that he's not worth it? You're not worth showing up for to worship. Because I want to sleep. Because I want to have this fun on this day because i want to do this because i believe this thing in the world is more engaging than coming to to declare to you god that you're worth it we have that privilege as god's people that's what we get to do as the priests. come together in the very presence of god and draw near to him it's a glorious glorious privilege that we have and friends do you take seriously that privilege being able to draw near to God each and every day. God says in his word, he says, he says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. There are p- so many people that we talk to as pastors who are just struggling and saying, I'm trying to find God's will. I'm trying to understand who God is. I don't know what's going through in my life at this time with God. God's confusing. God's this and that. And then we circle back around to a lot of times, are you spending, are you drawing near to God? Well, no. Then how are we ever going to understand God's heart? How are we ever going to understand and live out God's character? How are we ever going to be those people of God? Because God says, if you seek me, you will find me. You seek me with all your heart. God God did not come to earth to play hide and seek with us. He's like, I'm your God. Come follow me. And now I'm going to hide so you have no idea what my will and my ways are for you. He's like, I made it possible. (coughs) excuse me, for you to draw near to me? Are you taking advantage of that privilege? Not only do we take seriously our status, and we take seriously our privilege, but we also need to take seriously our purpose. We need to take seriously our purpose. We see by now that the priests were put in place for one purpose, And that was for them to stand in the gap and for them to mediate between a holy God and sinful people. And when you read through the offerings, you saw all the time over and over and over again that you do this, (coughs) Excuse me, and then give it to Aaron and his sons. You do this, and then Aaron and his sons will do this. This is going to happen, but then Aaron and his sons will take it from here, and they'll do that. You... uh, uh, make this happen, and Aaron will leave it to Aaron and his sons, and then they'll burn the rest of it. Because in all the time there, what's going through there is that God was using Aaron and his sons as his holy people to stand in the gap, to allow those people to bring their sins and place them before God and see the forgiveness of sins so that they could walk in relationship with him. That was their ministry. And that ministry has been passed on to us as well. Our purpose is to be people of reconciliation. That we live in this world with the one purpose to help sinful people find a holy God and walk in relationship with Him. 2 <coughs> Corinthians 5.8 says these words, God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Do you see that? God reconciled us himself through Christ and then said, I am now giving to you this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's our purpose. That's who we are as a A royal priesthood as a holy nation as as the chosen ones called out the ecclesia the church that we are here on earth for one purpose and that is to declare the glory of God and to mediate and to reconcile lost people with a holy God that's why we're here that's what we exist for we're not here to make more money We're not here to be as popular as we can be. We're not here to have a nice leisurely retirement. We're not here to be the best sports person that we can be. We're not here for all these worldly things. We are here to be agents of reconciliation. We are here to live for the glory of God. And we are the express purpose of this community here is to be agents of reconciliation. That's what we live for. That's who we are. And to be honest, most of our priesting work <coughs> doesn't happen here. It happens outside of the walls. Because where are people who are far from God? They're not sitting here this morning. They're outside there. And so we go, right? Do you hear these words from Jesus Christ? As you go, be my disciple, witness to people, teach them about me, baptize them in my name bring them back to a relationship with God, be agents of reconciliation. That's who we are. That's our purpose. And we need to head out. That's why one of the goals that we set in our Get or Done campaign was that we we would have a thousand spiritual conversations with people. We're going to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ. We're going to try to take them and and show them that (coughs) you no longer have to walk in the dark, but there's a God who loves you and you can walk in the light. And I hope you'll take that campaign seriously. And that today you'll begin thinking about, who do I need to reach out to? Who do I need to share? Have you been living into your purpose of being an agent of reconciliation? Who on the face of this planet is here today, walking in a relationship with God because of you? Because you lived into your priestly role. You lived into your calling of God. We like to point our fingers at a lot of other kinds of sin, don't we? But what about if we are doing unauthorized stuff? We're living our life in an unauthorized way. God didn't say, build up the biggest bank portfolio that you can. He said, no, you go out and reconcile people to me. And if we're not doing that, we're living by this purpose, that's unauthorized. I think we need to take this seriously, our purpose. And finally, I think we need to take seriously our offering. We need to take seriously our offerings. We have been through seven out of ten chapters so far, and they've all been about offerings to God. I think we need to look at that and go, as as the priests were given instructions on how seriously God took their offerings, is it possible that God takes my offerings seriously today in the same way? And yes, we don't give lambs and sheep and goats and pigeons today. Instead, the Apostle Paul says these words in Romans 12, 1. He says, you offer yourself, hear this, as a living sacrifice. As a living sacrifice. That's the offering that you make as a priest that's acceptable to God. A living sacrifice. When are you living? Well, I I hope right now that you're hearing this, and pretty much everything that you do. You're living. And as you are engaged in living, you are to be a sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? Something that is offered to God. So think about your living routine. Think about where you go, what you do, your work life, your entertainment life. Think about the way that you spend your money. Think about everything that you do while you're living. And all of that is to be what? Offered to God. It's to be offered to God, if you read in, in Romans 12, 1, that you offer it to God so that it is um, according to God's will and to his pleasure and that it's holy and pleasing to him. And basically... If you continue to read that, God says, These things that you're offering to me, you want them to be acceptable to me? Then don't be conformed to this world. That's what he says. Don't be conformed to this world. Is is As you live, does it look more like the world? Or does it look more like the purposes of God? Because God says, God says, don't conform to the things of this world. If you're living your life and you look just like the world and you're giving it over to the world and you're being part of the world and your values are of the world, that's not offered to me. You're set apart. You're ecclesia. You are holy. You are a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You look different. You offer all of your life to me. And whatever you do, says the Apostle Paul, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's the offering that we make to God. Would that describe your life today? If I just tracked with you through this past week, would it be apparent to me that as you were living, that all that you were doing, that it was set apart and you were doing it for the glory of God? What would that look like? Maybe it would look like take up your cross daily and follow me. Because what happens on that cross daily, I take everything that is of the world, and I put it on the world, and if it's not holy and acceptable and pleasing to God, then I don't engage in it. And as much as I, as I think I want to, and as much as the world tells me I should, I lay it there, and I offer it to God, and say, I'm going to be about your purposes, and your will, and your way. You take seriously your offering. Because I look at these functions of, of, of what God expects out of his priests. And I, I lay them a, next to what, where the church is at today. And I'm not convinced that we're taking it all so seriously as we should. But when I look into the scriptures, I see that God takes it very seriously. And friends, I want us, I want us to live into who God has really called us to be. Can you imagine that if we were a people, that it starts with, with with the folks that are gathered here as the Orchard Hill community, the 400 folks that are gathered as our community, and even beyond, we have like 700 and some who call this their church home, that we would start living holy lives, living into that status and saying, I'm just going to live holy. I'm going to live set apart for God according to His will and according uh, to, to God's ways. And what is ever not of God I'm going to not do it. I'm going to, to, to not conform to the world, but I'm going to live according to God's purposes. Can you begin to imagine how, how bright, how, how, what the light would be that we would begin to shine from this place as we took everything that we had and we laid it on the altar and said, God, this is, this is going to be for you. And then as we continue to live in this way for God, which is a way that God says brings life, brings peace, brings truth, brings wholeness, because the way of the world brings all the opposite, right? It brings death to us. But if we honestly believe living in the way of God brings us life, when we start living in this way and we see our, our marriages that are formed according to the purposes of God, and we see people who are doing their work life according to the purposes of God, and they're being neighborly according to the ways of God, and they're, they're interacting on Facebook according to the ways of God, and we are doing everything according to the will and ways of God, we will soon be that light we will soon be that salt that the world is drawn to. And when they're drawn to that, we simply say, come on and join us. But here's what God expects. You've got to live a holy life. You've got to live this purpose. You've got to daily follow him. But come and join us. We're not cajoling anyone. We're not forcing anyone. We're inviting them to be part of the greatest thing ever, which is living in the presence and living near and in the kingdom of God. And I don't see his church doing that. In many ways, our churches are drifting far from God. And we've got to put a stake in the ground and say, no, that's not going to happen. This is what the church of God is going to be like. Because Jesus Christ gave his life for us so that we could be made holy. And he expects us to present ourselves as a radiant bride, beautiful, without wrinkle or blemish for him. And on that day, God will take a look at us, and he will not say, away from me. He will say, welcome, well done, my good and faithful servants. And we get to join the kingdom, and we get to join all of those who have gone before us. as together we make up the priesthood of all believers. And I so look forward to that day. And I want you to be a part of it. Let's pray together. Holy, holy, holy God, we thank you for making it possible through the blood of Jesus that we could be your chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we want to desire the things that you desire. And we want to be the people who seek your kingdom first. We want to be pure and holy and set apart like the priests You have made us to be. We want to share your truth with a world lost in lies. We want to shine your light in the darkness. And we want to seek your justice to be done. But the truth is, Jesus,
2: that we don't always want these things. Sometimes we want sin more. We don't always seek to do these things. Sometimes, oftentimes, we forget that we are new creations and pursue our old lives more. We have run after sin. We have not approached you with the respect or love you deserve. And there are ways we find ourselves living exactly like the world. Like Aaron's two sons, we haven't lived rightly as priests. To be holy, like you are holy. To follow in your ways. And to point others to you through our lives
1: set apart. And for that, God, we ask your forgiveness. see what happened to Aaron's disobedient sons when they rejected the holy calling of their priesthood we want to be different we want to be faithful so we pray through the blood of Jesus that you would forgive us God
2: forgive us when our desires have been selfish and sin driven instead of centered around your sacrificial love
1: Forgive us for when our mouths have been filled with impure and hurtful words instead of the holy and healing words you call us to sow.
2: Forgive us for when our relationships have been full of envy, bitterness, and division instead of love, peace, and unity.
1: Forgive us for when we have demonized and hated one another for the same sins you forgave us of.
2: Forgive us for when our resources have been used selfishly
1: Forgive us for when we have competed against and put down those who are far from you instead of loving and serving them in your name.
2: Forgive us for having marriages that are just as broken as the rest of the world. When you call our love to reflect your perfect and sacrificial love for your church.
1: Forgive us for indulging in our own comfort and full bellies more than we have worked for others to be comforted in full.
2: Forgive us for looking at listening to, and engaging with the same sinful entertainment and actions as the rest of the world. when you call us to holiness and purity in mind, body, and soul?
1: Forgive us, God, for keeping the good news of Jesus to ourselves, rather than living to tell of your goodness and grace every chance we get.
2: And forgive us for believing that the things of this world, the broken, unholy, empty, and dirty things of this world would ever be more fulfilling, true, or good Holy and good God have offered to us and called us
1: into. Father God, just as you showed Aaron and his sons mercy and you corrected them after their failure, we ask that you show us mercy and correction too. God, take us back in this morning to take seriously our calling to be your priest. Restore in us the simple pursuit of nothing but you. God, we ask that you would give us an unswerving faith in the power of your name and that you would give us a heart, a beating heart for your kingdom to reign here on this earth. Father, we ask in these holy moments, we bow before you that we may live as a church that is known your presence again God we humbly ask